Today's text is Matthew chapter 8. I'll be reading verses 23 through 27. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? And he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. So as we go through the beginning of wisdom as the fear of the Lord, I want to submit that this image in this passage is what fear of God looks like. It's not the fear of the storm, the fear of the waves. It's not the way that the disciples embodied fear. But it's the way Jesus embodied fear of his Father so deeply and so profoundly that he was able to sleep. There's no clearer image, I think, that I could think of at least, in Scripture of what fear of God looks like than Jesus on a boat in a storm deep asleep. You know, we're never more vulnerable when we're asleep. Everything is kind of switched on standby mode or turned off. We're laying there, unaware of what's happening around us, literally unconscious. Jesus, having such a deep, abiding sense of fear of God, such a trust and confidence in him, that even though the storm raged around him, he was in a deep, peaceful sleep. To sleep, to be vulnerable, to trust that God is good and that God will, his Father will take care of him. You know, it feels, and part of the challenge, I think, of this passage is Jesus' asleep feels really passive. Feels like, well, where, why isn't Jesus awake? Why isn't he calm in the storm before he's asked? How is he able to sleep amidst the storm? And I was thinking about how um, it's not irresponsible to fall asleep on an airplane unless you're the pilot. Um, in that case, he should be awake, or she should be awake. Um, the pilot should be awake. We'll just uh, say it that way. Uh, if for you to sleep during a sleep during a flight is to mean you trust the pilot and you ultimately trust God to care for you and get you from A to B, um, to take an active role during turbulence. If you're afraid during a flight, and to say I need to do something about this, to storm in the cockpit, to push the pilot aside, to grab the yoke to try to stabilize the airplane, that's the opposite of wisdom. That's foolishness. And part of the reality of, of our lives is understanding times and places where God's the pilot and we're safe to sleep. That's what's happening um, in this. So that's why I've called this sermon, How to Sleep Through a Storm. How to be so at peace and rest that even during the storms of life that we're able to sleep, to be vulnerable. Um, I mean... What else are we going to do anyway? What is, what, what as Jesus asked uh, in Matthew 6, what good does worry do? Does it add to your life or does it subtract? Does it increase your days or does it diminish your enjoyment of the days that you have? Um, in the storm to sleep. The disciples, they don't fear God. You know what they fear? Not a trick question. They, they fear the storm. They fear um, the, everything that's raging around them. They're scared 
for their lives. They're so scared that they suddenly embody the spirit of a prophet and announce to Jesus a prophetic utterance. We're going to drown. Turns out they're false prophets. That is not what happens. But you can see, what is their imagination doing? What are they presuming is happening in the storm? This storm leads to us dying. We're going to drown. And being a small boat in a big storm is terrifying. Um, the closest I ever came was Jack and I were in a boat in Havasu. Do you remember that time where we overstayed lunch and it started getting dark and stormy and we had to go across Lake Havasu in the storm? Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it was June 11th, of probably five years ago. Uh, and it, was, it wasn't like this, but it was a little bit of like, oh, we're in a small vessel in a really big lake, in a, in a really big world. That, that, there was a little bit of that, like this, the waves cropping up, but we were in a powerboat. There's a very different situations. I'm not saying I understand what they're going through. I'm just saying that something happened that was kind of like it to me. And wow, to imagine in a boat with, with, with no outboard engine, uh, with a sail, and with a uh, rudder. Thank you. Um, and all the other things we all know that are in boats in the first century. Uh, and uh, to know that the storm comes and they feel really small. Uh, they probably couldn't have seen more than a few feet uh, ahead of them. And behind them, they could look up, and, and what it's at night, and what night does is provide stars that you can look at to navigate through. That's covered in the storm. They don't know where they are. They don't know which direction they're going. They can't see in front of them. And now, the water falling from the sky, and, and especially the, the waves crashing over their boat, bring the, the top of the boat and the top of the water closer and closer together so that they're about to lose the boat and have to, have to swim, and as they said to Jesus, we're going to drown. And there's Jesus asleep through all this. Soaking wet, storms going up and down, panicked disciples, probably, I mean, I don't know if the disciples are passive-aggressive like me, but them bumping him as they're like trying to like, get the water out and you know, doing all these, these things to try to get him to wake up. And to him, he was fast asleep. To the disciples, their terror reduced all of reality to the storm. If you think about what just happened, you think about what it would be like to follow Jesus. You know, the, Matthew tells us Jesus got in the boat and the disciples followed him. So it's very clear who it was to get in the boat and to go across the sea that night. It was Jesus. They're just following him. And I don't know if you've ever thought about what it would be like to just go day to day with Jesus and wake up thinking, I don't know what I'm going to see today. I don't know what I'm going to hear come out of Jesus' mouth. I don't know what miracles I'm going to see, healings. I don't know uh, what of the Jesus' opponents are going to come and spar with him. Like, I don't know, but every day is different. Every day is exciting. And at the end of every day, this would be, this would be what I would take the most pride in as a disciple. At the end of every day, he, he pushes the crowd away and he takes us as disciples alongside with him to debrief, to talk about the day. And This is a typical day for them, going, having done some healings, and um, I believe that there had just been a, a healing of somebody that had been possessed by an evil spirit, so they're talking about that, debriefing. Jesus is asleep. They're like, of course he's asleep. He tiptoes out every, every morning super early to go and pray, and you know, while we're all sleeping, so of course he's tired. He's just gone, and, and then all of a sudden, the storm comes up. You think some of the fishermen 
who understand the Sea of Galilee, who understand how quickly a storm can come up, how dangerous it can get, say, uh, I think we're in trouble. Uh, and making decisions, should we go back to where we came? Are we closer to the other side? Which way is the wind blowing? And then finding it's too late. They're, they're in the storm, and the boat is being overwhelmed. And now, all of a sudden, the fun of following Jesus, the joy of day-to-day, the excitement, the surprise has taken a very dark turn. And now they're terrified for their lives. And whatever, I don't know what, where your imagination goes during storms. Mine goes to, I wish I just had my nice, safe little life, predictable, a safe bed, a job that paid the bills, you know, that, that longing for times where it's simpler. And now they're about to drown. And they do, they pray what we would probably call the sinner's prayer. They say, Jesus, save us. Jesus, rescue us. Uh, and before Jesus rebukes the waves, he rebukes them. Why are you so afraid? I love the translation there. It's not, why are you afraid? Because being afraid in a storm like that, perfectly natural. Even I would be scared in a, t- in a moment like that. And I would, you know, this is, this is not going to help a body. This body won't help keep water out of a boat. I'll just tell you that. Um, and so for him to, to, to say, first he rebukes them, why are you this afraid? Not why are you f- afraid at all, but why is your fear cross some line into outright terror? Why are you catastrophizing? Why are you coming to me saying, Lord, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're about to drown? Their fear short-circuits their faith. I once heard someone describe the difference between fear and terror, and it's, it was really helpful for me. So I'm going to imagine you're walking... Let's say, let's go somewhere beautiful. Let's say we're in the eastern Sierras. We're walking in there. It's beautiful. The air is crisp. You, can't, you look around. You can't, literally can't see anything man-made. And, and then you look back and you see right in front of you on the trail is a, um, a grizzly bear. A mama grizzly, eight feet tall, standing, roaring, and you hear behind you a cub. And you think, uh-oh, I'm between a mama grizzly and her cub. That's fear. That's, oh no, that's hardwired into us to protect us. It's, it's, it's about survival, fight or flight. Uh, you're probably going to choose flight in this situation. But then that's fear. Then terror is when you look behind you and you see the bear cub and you don't see your friends anymore. Terror is when you realize you're alone. It has, terror has more to do with abandonment and going through life completely by yourself. Fears you can face together. Terror is the fear of being abandoned and left all alone. And that's what the disciples are experiencing there. We're all alone out here. We're going to drown out here. They're experiencing terror. And Jesus rebukes them for this terror, which is why he links it to their faith. Why do you have such little faith? You know, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the way Paul Tillich describes fear is the state of ultimate concern. It's a state of being that is not influenced by the circumstances it's not a barometer where things are going good. Sorry, let's use proper grammar. Things are going well that I feel well. See, now I'm, just, I'm thinking about grammar and not my sermon. So when things are going well, to feel like I feel good about my faith, I feel good about my connection to God. And when things are going bad, to all of a sudden feel forsaken, abandoned, terrified. It's, it's a faith that is more contingent on our circumstances than it is contingent on the faithfulness of God. And in that moment, they, Jesus is experiencing utter 
in complete peace. That's what faith gives to him. Peace even in a storm. He doesn't see the storm and the waves. I mean, he sees that, but he sees through it to a God who is faithful to protect him. It's, it's, this is another sign. Jesus already lived in a world of peace and calm. Jesus' faith in his Father to care for him was not contingent on whether or not there's a storm, whether or not the crowds were coming or he was being rejected, that his faith was a constant. It was, it was not attached to any circumstances. To him, there is no difference between a raging storm and a calm sea because he trusts his Father. His trust is in God, not the weather, to put it glibly. Um, he, fear of God, to him, looks like sleeping in a storm, recognizing vulnerability as a precondition to existence and understanding that just simply resting in his Father's presence and goodness and sleeping uh, was all that was required. That's what fear of God looks like. That's how we sleep through a storm, is having a faith that doesn't look around us, but looks at the living God, trusting him to provide. God is faithful in the storms, and he's faithful in the calm. The weather has nothing to do with God's faithfulness. Our circumstances have nothing to do with God's faithfulness. Only our experience of his faithfulness, which is why Jesus rebukes his disciples for his faith. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so terrified? Do you not trust God to care for you, to protect us through the storm? Do you think, and Jesus would never say this, so this is sarcastic John talking, do you think God sent the Messiah to die in a boating accident? You know, man comes, proclaims the kingdom of God, does many miracles, tragically dies in a boating accident. Like, do you, do you think that's how God works? Do you think that's how this story is going to end? And, and so Jesus rebukes them for their lack of faith, for the fear of the storm loom larger than the fear of God. Fear can be a power surge that overpowers our faith. Fear can be a power surge that energizes our faith. It all depends on uh, this, this, the, whether our faith is bigger than our fear. Last week, we talked about the role of memory in faith. That faith is remembering God's faithfulness. For you, it might be, I remember other storms. I remember, these are fishermen, I remember being caught in storms before. I remember this fear, that the fear is familiar to me. And so what I'm going to also make familiar to me is the relief of getting through it and trusting God to, to take us through it. Um, and God's faithfulness is there's a, I want to say eschatological side of this, but we'll just say there's a side of faith that also anticipates God's promised future of a life beyond the reach of death. That ultimately, that is where our faith is in. So even if there was a boating accident, still God is faithful to resurrect and to restore and to renew. Uh, I've survived storms, and even if I don't, even if this is the end, God is still faithful. God, his plans still move forward. Um, in Mark's account, one of the disciples asked Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Do you even care if we drown? Which is quite a thing to ask Jesus. Don't you care if we drown? Um, this is the shape of how I understand biblical doubt. It's not so much, I don't know if God's real or not. It's, it's more rooted in whether or not God will see you, remember you, care for you. It's more about God's character, uh, about his faithfulness to us, questioning God's care for us. It's 
looking at the storm and concluding from the conditions, well, this storm has taught me one thing. God does not have any regard for me whatsoever. Jesus says, why, do you, why are you so afraid? Why do you doubt so much? Jesus is asleep. And they interpret his sleep as indifference. He's there, but he must not care. He must be indifferent to what is going on around us. They miss the demonstration of faith in sleeping in a storm. I'm going to add this too. Not just faith in God, but faith in them to get him across the, ocean, to get, get him across the sea. That he trusts their ability to pilot across the sea. They trust his father to provide care across the sea. And trusting his disciples and saying, you guys are the fishermen. You don't need me to tell you how to, to get across the sea. Trust God to care for me in the ultimate sense. And he falls asleep, vulnerable, and seeing that vulnerability as the ultimate form of trust. You know, do you, it's hard to sleep in, when you don't... It, that's one of the things about fear is it robs you of sleep. Uh, I don't know if you have ever had trouble sleeping in a hotel room or in a guest room or something, and um, there's some part of you that isn't used to be vulnerable in a space that's unfamiliar, and so you wake up, you wake up to every sound, and you're disoriented, like, where am I right now? Why, why is there a, in this sterile room with like a picture of a, a sailboat in an ocean when we're in the middle of Wyoming. Like, I don't, like you try to make sense of where you are in that moment. And, uh, you can't, when you're afraid of being vulnerable, you can't sleep. When you're not afraid of, of anything because you trust God so deeply. It's why relationships fall apart when we are in places of vulnerability. You know, there's, it's why a lot of breakups happen because it's like it, things started to get real I started asking to be vulnerable. I don't trust, I don't trust people. I've been hurt by people before. Uh, it's why Christianity is, at its core, not a list of facts to believe, um, not a list of weekly rituals to practice, but at its core, our faith is in a person. Our faith is in the living God to care for us. Um, Jesus slept because he trusted his Father. He trusted those around him. He was ultimately concerned. He trusts the pilot of the boat, and he fell asleep. One of the last things I'll mention is the sea in Scripture has a pretty prominent role. We just read from parts of Psalm 24, not the whole thing, thanks to my inability to cut and paste. But you notice at the beginning of Psalm 24, it talks about the sea and God bringing land on top of the sea, building on top of the sea, building a space for humans to flourish that's on top of the sea. And, and that's, you know, you know ge geologically that's not how the sea was built. But on top of the sea is a reference to death in the underworld, that God creates a space of flourishing and living. Um, the sea is, is often a, a metaphor for death. It's full of storms. It's full of monsters. If you read Job 38 talks about Leviathan, uh, the, the monsters from the sea. If, when you read the book of Revelation, you can see out of the sea comes monsters and beasts. And, and in, at the end of Revelation 21, a verse that has caused many a surfer to stumble in their faith says there will be no more sea. And what that final image of is not a literal seas are gone, because 
what would the point of that be? They're beautiful. Like, that's part of God's creation. The point is the place where all of evil emerges from, the sea. The order of chaos and disorder, of storms and monsters, is gone forever. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore. There's no more fear in God's kingdom, which is why God, Jesus can sleep in a storm and why he brought in the storm God's kingdom to bring peace, calming the storm just as quickly as it began. So as we conclude, what are the storms of your life? When you think about the fear, the storm, when everything else in your life is forgotten, all you can think about is, how did I get here? How do I get out of here? Why am I here? This is terrifying. We're about to die. Do you even care? Jesus is asleep. He must not care either. He must be indifferent. Instead of seeing Jesus as fully present, trusting his Father and trusting you to navigate through these waters. Whatever it is, may you learn to see Jesus asleep, not because he's checked out and indifferent, but because he trusts his Father and he trusts you as you navigate the boat. That his presence asleep in the boat is a sign of his trust of his disciples and of his Father to care for him, just as he trusts you to pilot the storm. You are safe in God's loving care. You are loved by God more than you could ever begin to imagine. You are perfectly safe in his care. So may you experience the same trust in God that Jesus had in the storm, for he loves you, and you are safe in his care for you. May you not fear the storms of life, but know you're safe. And may you come to the table this morning and take the bread and the cup to leave fear at the table for love, <clears throat> for love has its grip on you. And as you return to your seat, imagine whatever fear grips your heart as a storm. Picture it as a raging storm. Whatever, sometimes, that's, I think that's why we love horror movies. Well, I don't love them. But I think that's why they fascinate us because it gives us a monster to face. To, to imagine the storm, whatever it is, to that grips your heart in fear, to see Jesus perfectly at rest in the boat with you. Just as the disciples are not alone, to see yourself surrounded by people who love you and care for you and know um, how to sleep through a storm. Let's pray. Father, teach us to sleep in storms. Show us. Allow us to hear the rebuke Jesus had for his disciples. Why are you so afraid? May we hear those words, not of diminishing or minimizing what we're afraid of, but just reminding us that our fears should never outgrow our faith and trust in you. As we ponder and consider Jesus asleep in the boat, may we see this not as a sign of indifference, but as a sign of what faith looks like, sleeping in storms. Encourage us, not only with these words and, and, and scripture, but through your Holy Spirit. Empower us to get through these storms. For those of us uh, who are in calm seas right now, I pray that we would be grateful for you are in control at always, and we should, ought to always be grateful to you. And for those of us who are in storms, I pray that you would give them the faith to sleep through it, knowing that they will emerge victorious on the other side. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to the table.